you know, we can read our dreams, we can read our thoughts, we can watch them as films, and therefore you now have the most powerful cinematic non-budget restricted capability that that could be an interesting one because if you get a chip put into you and, and you have what you think are all your fantasies and everything gets cut out that you don't really want in there then the struggle is what's reality and what's virtual in the room 52 jokers wild we're playing a little game at the moment because we are introducing three new interns to our little business that we're uh, they're involved in helping us to develop some of our editing and shows and things like that. So today we thought we'd just ask them a few questions of what we should talk about in our show. And that's where we're going to start off. Now, we have a, one of our colleagues is uh, Rebecca Goldie, and she said, how old favourites may have influenced our career? What old favourites influenced your career, Govin? No, I'm not going to answer the question straight. I hear the word. No, you never old, do. You I'm, never do. You I'm, never I'm do. already. I'm already <laughs> insulted. It's like what old? Oh, some some old folk. You know, what? What old favourites of yours are you talking to that influence you? I go. What old fogies influenced me in my in my past, or what? You no, know, I'm sure she meant. What uh, films, what images, what mentors, what coaches, what peer groups. But I keep on hearing the word old because I feel a little old because they're so young. And what I notice when we're in a little teams meeting that I'm 50-something, George is 50-something else. There's two, three, 20-year-old somethings looking at us going, who are these old fogies? And what are they at? What are they talking about? What have we got to learn from this bunch? And actually, the strange thing is, we've got everything to learn from that bunch, the other bunch, the young. So I'm not worried about the old and how I ended up where I am, because I ended up where I am because of the old. And if I think about the old fogey at the time that influenced me, it was my mother. And my mother, I, I, was, I went to college, I studied marketing and design. And I came out of college. Now, marketing and design back in the 80s was actually colouring in with, with crayons. There was no real marketing. There was no social media. It was, a, it was basically an advert on a bus shelter, or, or at best, in a newspaper. Or, God forbid, it was something in a cinema selling Mars bars. But, I mean, apart from that, it was I was studying marketing and design, except I didn't. Now, when I, when I qualified, uh, there was no such thing as sales and marketing in terms of jobs. So my mother was a bookkeeper for a, a, so someone in the legal practice. She says why don't you become an accountant? And I'm going, oh, for God, what is, what is that? I didn't even study that. But it's got to do with money. As counting other people's money was what it seems to be. So I became, I did some bookkeeping work for her on the side. I took a false course, which is what was called at the time. For those that are a little bit older, it was Anko and Manpower. But today it's VTech and BTEC something another level fives. It was, a, it was like a trade, but for, but for professions. I did some bookkeeping and I went in, I got my work experience in a practice in accountancy practice and this is i locked into this three-year four-year journey of doing my articles i was articled in a practice to go off and become an accountant a chartered accountant which was a passport to all businesses so it was actually a good call on my mother's part it was she wanted to make sure her young son and little boy and darling child had a career for life now 
I went on that route. I worked for 30 years in it. I didn't want for a couple of pennies or a couple of farthings or truppence halfpennies or sixpence or something. I got jobs. I got paid. I was an accountant. But as I spoke to these these interns, these 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 the future generations of talent of tomorrow, I wasn't. I didn't felt. I didn't feel it was me. I felt there was an artist trying to get out, and that's what the last couple of years has been about. The old fogey was influenced by other old fogies to get a, a career, a something you could trust that gives you a job. But it didn't give me fulfillment. It wasn't the making of me. It wasn't me brand personified. So I'm very happy I had a job. It took me 30 years to get out of the silo. We're off on a different journey now. I have to thank my mum that I didn't starve for the last 30 years and it's given me the wherewithal to now use that armour to go forward and not worry about taking risks and to be able to monitor, measure the, the measure of risk and the reward return. And that's what we're doing now. So I don't think it's a straightforward answer to that question, but it's what influenced me was the six foot six dude was influenced by his mother. Brilliant. Well, for me, it was Philip K. Dick. <laughs> Keep it that simple. I had I read Philip K. Dick stories, and uh, I loved the alternative parallel universes. And in his stories, he always had this. He, he was he grew up in the Bible Belt, and so his parallel universes always had some influence of God. And there was actually the story of uh, a young fella who lived on the moon, coming down to the Earth, and basically got hit by a zap that. Pfft, blew his brain away, or mind more than his brain, still had his brain, but he ended up in a coma and ended up in an alternative universe where he got to meet his sister, who was the other half of the God figure. And the whole world got turned inside out, upside down. They got attacked by the devil, and it was all kinds of crazy stuff. But it was great sci-fi, do you know what I mean? And then you had the likes of, uh, do androids dream of electric sheep? You know, the old sheep going over the electric sheep. Great stories. Blade Runner pay it forward the paycheck and then you had what was the other one with um tom cruise where they could perceive the future slightly total not total recall but um oh i forgot the name of it now but they they knew what the future was and people that are about to commit crimes could actually be arrested and all those kind of things but it was that parallel universe that sort of other possibilities the androids which we are constantly talking about and then i think somebody actually mentioned during the, this morning's little session 1984 I remember reading 1984 at school. That was one of the oldies. And we were looking to see when 1984 finally did come. And that's when I started my career in 1984. Was Big Brother actually watching you? And he wasn't. But today he might be because we're now seeing the screens sitting around us where they're listening to us. And I know somebody else said they, they'd mentioned something about Bitcoin the other day. And they said, I just jokingly said Bitcoin in a WhatsApp thing. And the next thing, everything, all my adverts were coming up about how I could get Bitcoin. And he was kind of going, I was only kidding. So the funny thing is, is that 40 years after reading some of those early Philip K. Dick stories, we're still being influenced by his ideas, and we're actually seeing them coming to reality. No, I didn't read 1984. I had the book. I think I was meant to read 1984. It could have even been for school. But as soon as I heard the word George Orwell and 1984, and you have to read a book because it's homework, no interest. So I didn't. I wasn't a great reader at the time. I think um, I was too busy chasing girls. I was too busy going to nightclubs and pubs. I was too busy being a dude around town. Actually, my 1984, I was a gothic 
punk. Now, I was a punk first in the sense of I had my Mohican. I was hanging out in Piccadilly Circus in London. I was charging the tourists, you know, a, a pound a time to take a photograph. You know, that was entrepreneurial sort of Garvin back in 1984 to 1990. It was fashion was what it was for me. I didn't know that by trying to be individual, individualistic, we were actually turning into clones because my gang of mates and gang of friends, we were all being different, being the same. And that was the weird thing about it. We were all gothic punks. We were all individuals. We were all expressing our art, our individuality. But as for the tourists, when they looked around, they saw 30 people dressed in black with the same hairdo looking looking strange the best of times, thinking they were great. So I wasn't watching, actually, that was the difference, George. You were watching the films. I was in the films. I made a TV commercial for, for Marathon Bars at the time. So bad that they had to change the name to Snickers, not three or four years afterwards. But that was it. I was going, I didn't, I didn't actually know I could be in films. I didn't know, I didn't even watch films. That's the strange thing about it now. Go 30 years forward, we're building a film production academy. We're building a machine that we can actually produce films, make films, finance films, and we can even star in them as extras. We can do a little bit of that... Uh, that chap that died lately there now, that was, is it the Marvel series? He's always in his own films in a little bit of a walk-on part. I can't remember his name, but I'll probably get him in the next minute or two. My daughter will kill me for not remembering his name. All these DC, it's not DC comics, but it's, um, but that does, it doesn't matter. It's back to, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't reading the books. I read one or two. It's in my later life, I've, I've read more. I've watched more only in a sense of I'm sitting lying on a sofa looking at Netflix and I'm, and I, I'm, I'm watching it 12 hours a day, seven days a week. I can't help but binge watch movies and films and, and the very nature of what we're talking about now, they're usually science fiction. They're a little bit of alternative something, you know, Black Mirror. They're, they're reflecting our interest of the past, being the Douglas Adams of the world and the Dirk Gentleys. So the Hitchhiker's Guides of the Galaxies. So the strange thing is, it's come full circle, except for they're now made the dunes and this, that and the other. We can interact with them, we can play the game, we can roll profile, we can, we can actually immerse ourselves in it, we can buy the merchandise. But that is where we're a consumer. I, I no longer want to be a consumer. Or actually, one of the chaps this morning now, we we're talking to another graphic design student, and he mentioned Quentin Tarantino. And, uh, and the fact that here's somebody that, you know, the name rolls off the tongue. We can name probably four or five, you know, movies that he's made that we all enjoyed. And he used to work in a video, sorry, video shop. He used to eat, drink, and sleep the videos, the, 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 C, the, 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 the C list, the A list, the B list, everything in between. And he took the best of the best and he said, if I was making a movie, this is how I'd make it. These are the simple parts that will grab the attention of any audience based on my understanding of the consumer marketplace of who comes in here and rents what video. And that's what we're doing now. We're going, what whatever it is we like ourselves, there is an audience for, because we statistically represent that audience and their, their likes and dislikes. So there's an audience for everything. There's a way of reaching them. It's Big Brother all right, but it goes two ways. We're being watched, but we can watch too. One of the things that I find fascinating is that in the story of 1984, and I've just found my copy of it, which my son had read and he's given it back to me, in the story of 1984, because another part is insecurity, but one of the things that um, uh, Winston Smith did was he decided that he would get a diary and he would start to fill it in, which seemed to be an old way of doing things. 
And again, if we start to think about how that influenced, it took a lot of courage for him to sort of break the mold and go and start writing things and filling it in all the, you know, this, this book, th putting down his thoughts because the, the, the world didn't want him to think. But in our current day, this is now some sort of 40 odd year, nearly 40 years since uh, I read that book. We're finding that it has to take courage to actually start to write things. And I know that in, in this last year, we started to do the, uh, the, the artist's way. And that was to encourage you every day to write three pages. So in one, way, in one sense, there is a replication of that, that process because it was 1984 that I actually started to write my first set of journals. And it, it generated quite a few interesting ideas that I turned into scripts. And we're finding the same things happening now. In the 21st century, we are going through that same process and encouraging the interns to do the same kind of thing. And what we what we're trying to show them is that quite often the dialogue of this morning was, oh, you know, this is this might be a silly idea. This is something, you know, maybe this isn't as good as I thought it might have been. And then when they actually sort of mentioned some of their ideas, you went, actually, wow, this there's a lot of lot of mileage in that we could develop. You know, again, Rebecca had mentioned insecurities and how how she was feeling somewhat insecure. And we were kind of going, yeah, we were feeling insecure because we've we've done what seems to be crazy stuff because we've actually made a choice that we're not going to follow the mold. A bit like Winston Smith. We're not following the mold. We're not doing what we're told. We're actually going to break out the mold. We're going to break out the silo and make sure that we rip into the new world and start a new beginning, because that was something else, a new chapter, and that we would try and take control of the way that we would move that journey forward. I'm not saying we're going to be in control, but just be open to the possibilities of how we could move forward and what we could, what we could actually do, which is why this new chapter for us was working with some youngsters and, and seeing how they could get involved and pass on some of our knowledge, share some of the knowledge that we have to help them develop their career and build their confidence. Now, another character, another guy that we have is Dylan Hogan, and he had actually mentioned, talk about your old your own story and your background. We, we've actually been doing that. We've been, we've been sharing some of those ideas of what our journey to this point actually is. And he then mentioned about uh, modern social media and how does it affect you? Well, from my perspective, I find it a little bit frustrating because I'm having to break outside my silo. It's taken me away sometimes from doing the things I like doing, uh, which is the the, the in-depth process of filmmaking, the getting into the psychology of the story and doing things that are quite simple. And as Garvin's discovered, quite often it's, it's something you just throw together very quickly that suddenly has a massive response. And it's just reminded me I need to share something with the rest of you guys, which I won't share with this group at the moment. A little, it was actually a Muppet thing that was, was, was great about sort of stress and all that. Have a look for the green Muppet and how to, using breathing techniques, get rid of stress. You can find that one online at your own, at your own best. But social media... You're 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 really getting into that now, Garvin. I think you're, you're no, really. No, I don't want yes, to. There's are. a difference between really getting into it, in the sense of you're now addicted to it. I mean, I'm trying to get my daughters off of it, my son off of it, because all we're doing is holding devices 
walk into the kitchen to the bathroom. We're bringing it into the bathroom. We're going, it's everywhere you go, it's, it's, it's you know, your left arm. It's, it's, attached, it's attached to the hip. You can't go anywhere without your phone because your phone is no longer a phone. It's your, it's your window onto the universe, the world. It's, you've got 50 different streams of information coming in from WhatsApps to Snaps to TikToks to tweets to, you know, it keeps on going. There's, there's an endless, if you, I actually, I remember back in the good old days of the, the, the couple of TV stations where I used to give out about the TV commercials and how many there was. Now it's hard, you'd be hard pressed to find the program. If you have all these multiple channels of something, you're drowning in Facebook. I'm moving away from off of Facebook now because it's too much ads. It's like I said, if you open your mouth, there's an algorithm in the background that's listening, and the next time you look, you're being bombarded with, with things that are meant to match your profile in terms of something you might be interested in or want to buy. That's all very well as a consumer going, I'm sick to death of the ads. Now, as a business person, I've got to come up with the ads to make others sick to death of. I make sure I bombard them where they are. Now, in, well, indirectly. So we want to have target marketing. We want to be able to talk to the end consumer. We want to be able to influence them into an action or call to action of actually buy, asking for more information or buying our product or that type of thing. But where are they? Now, they are reachable. But uh, because they're being bombarded from multiple channels and multiple streams, it's actually it's easier to reach them, but it's also harder in the same sentence. It's easier to reach them in the sense of they're 24-7 uh, on, but to get through the, the clutter, you've got to be able to make a difference. You've got to stand out. You got, that's the conversation we're having with our graphic design intern this morning, uh, or our work experience individual. We're saying, we know what the message is, but the message is what you want to impart. But in order to get to that, you've got to be flashing lights and bells and whistles and jumping up and down nearly naked, you know, to, for them to even notice, to look, to listen, to hear. And that's the game now. Those individuals that you've got technology that tries to place the ad in front of you. That's listening to you. The platforms are there, the Facebooks of the world, all of the different platforms, they make their money from the advertising, from the product placement. That's what the money machine is. They've got the TV stations in your hand. They've got you hooked. They've got you addicted. They've, they know where you are 24-7. They're listening and they're proffering what it is they think you're interested in based on previous actions. And as I said, as a consumer, I'm sick to death of it. But as a business person, I've got to learn the tricks of the trade and figure out how the hell are we going to get heard seen in this clutter of madness so we can actually deliver the information to those that do actually want it but they themselves are fighting it and, and are afraid to look at this machine for fear of 50 other adverts out in there as well so there's a social media i don't need to worry well we're going to go on tiktok soon possibly instagram maybe a bit of pinterest i don't even we, i can barely say the words in a sentence never mind understand what the what what the hashtags need to be in order to do the right search engine optimization in order to be actually that's if you have content you gotta generate this content slice and dice it up the yin yang put it up you know make it attractive make it you know that it's very very functional and then figure out how to hell to target it. So, and this is all in your spare time while actually trying to run a business. So everyone's, every small business out there has this set of problems. They have to pay for these experts. They have to generate that content. None of this is actually from 98% of them, their business. This is the 
have to do, must do, need to do, just to get seen to possibly sell a product. But this is the way forward. It's powerful if you can if you can actually work the algorithm, if you can befriend the ghost in the machine, then you can be a multi-millionaire overnight. But if you can't, you're just all out there doing the same old, same old, and you're drowning in in, in data, but with no, no intelligence. You know. So back to you. The great thing is that you 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 that the concept of the way that the advertising is pumped before you as you as you move into the the the, the aisles of wherever you're going reminded me of the film which is Minority Report. That's a Tom Cruise film I was trying to think about, which is also another Philip K. Dick story. But in that, he was walking around and basically everywhere he went, you know, he was being advertised to. Well, as as we were having lunch, I was watching a, a video on YouTube and it was talking about what is supposed to be coming out in the next year, the the uh, Apple glasses. So I've got my glasses on here. I was, I was going to pretend I had some glasses, but I've actually got them here. And, and when they're in that place, in that in that position on my nose there, basically all the adverts would just be popping up in front of you, kind of going, oh, it would be the minority report. You wouldn't be able to escape because all your social media would be popping up. You'd be getting all these interruptions and things like that. And depending on where you looked at, you'd probably put your hand in front and touch there'd be a kind of perspective that you could actually touch these things and they'd start doing things and it'd all be inside your glasses. It's turning into a mad, mad world. I wonder what Philip K. Dick and uh, uh, and George Orwell would think about if they were living today. There's a great story. That's what we should do for our movie. We should actually resurrect George Orwell and Philip K. Dick, an American and an English guy who suddenly find themselves in the 21st century trying to deal with all the things that they actually talked about and and kind of what would they do and how how would they turn their ideas into science fiction to make a movie that's who the characters could be philip k dick and george orwell stuck in the 21st century trying to make a feature film that isn't science fiction <laughs> well there you go it's a it's a new a new take on waiting for Godot. you know, I, well, I think it is probably is that a samuel l beckett play i don't even know i know oh, the man. words i never listened to i never watched the show i don't i'm probably totally using it out of context but my interpretation of the waiting for Godot will be those two individuals discussing you know the new science of the day and uh, the science fiction that became science fact in the interim because that's what these individuals were if they actually got the crystal ball out and looked into the future it has become a self-fulfilling prophecy under you know okay they might not got the year right actually if you think of Nostradamus you go back one further he got an awful lot right or maybe that's just our interpretation and reading into it and make it so abstract that you know yes it, it is this it is that it was Hitler it was these world wars it's ambiguous enough to draw a conclusion that you want to have but still you go back to Flash Gordon days, you go back to Star Trek days. No, we, there's an awful lot of ideas there. The science fiction have got, has gone on the journey and is now science fact. Actually, I was listening to um, the radio just there a little earlier on. I think it was mentioned that Elon Musk is trying to put a chip in a monkey's brain at the moment. So the, basically, he can have two monkeys play a game or something. I don't know what exactly, but it's the, the chip is, is going to read the brain waves and re-image from the top processes, you know, what they're thinking, with a view to later on making the making the, the, the invalids walk effectively. It's it's the, and they be able to control the, the, the machinery of the harness of the robotics of the of the body harness, if you want to so call it. Basically the tech is there. And Elon Musk is is flying to Mars, gonna colonize it. He's gonna plug us in with that chip in our brain that 
we can it can read our thoughts and materialize it in 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 cinematography and vision and in cinematic so i mean you know we can read our dreams we can read our thoughts we can watch them as films and therefore you now have the most powerful cinematic non-budget restricted capability our dreams and our thoughts if only we can translate them straight into a vision that we can share without the need for a budget now because now you've got full cgi full costume drama casts of millions and no budget limitation what a filmmaker's dream that would be but turns out elon musk Actually, is retrofitting the market and will soon be in the cinemas with a cinema, at a cinema near you yeah ah that's actually a horror story. And, and and one of the things that Scott Mulholland had actually talked about was the Eureka moment, which is what I was talking about with George Orwell and Philip K. Dick being stuck in this century. What you've been talking about there, and you're sort of saying, oh, you know, they'll be able to play our dreams and we had to be, be able to put these things. It actually goes the other way around, unfortunately, because they'll actually be influencing what we think. And we'll think they're our thoughts, but they'll actually own the IP and actually control our thoughts and everything we think about. And... There are actually movies out there where people try to break that mold because they want to get out of their silo. And there's another story. That that could be an interesting one because if you get a chip put into you and, and you have what you think are all your fantasies and everything gets cut out that you don't really want in there, then the struggle is what's reality and what's virtual? And, and then you end up in a matrix re discovering that you're actually the battery that makes the Tesla work. <laughs> there you go. Even Another solar powered. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're fully we're fully organic and solar powered. So yeah. I mean, it's actually you couldn't get any greener than that. You know, and that was touching on Silent Green again. And actually, if you think of Silent Green, the emphasis was on the green. It was 100% organic. Uh, no, no, organic in terms of uh, we were eating and drinking. But no, actually, it wasn't. It was organic in a sense of organism. But it wasn't like I'm think, I was thinking organic in terms of the greens. But actually, no, this was pure meat and two veg. And actually, we were thrown back into cream crackers. But at the same time, it's another film. This is the manufacturing process that we're the journey we're going to go on in terms of energy and food supply and food source. There's many a film out there that there's no other way. We have to be part of the food chain. We're not only part of the food chain. We're you know we're we're creating the new organisms. We're accelerating the growth of them. We're multiplying them. But the, the demand then increases in terms of to feed them. You know the, there is going to be a tipping point somewhere. We're already on one tipping point. I'm sure in terms of uh, CO2 emissions and this, that, and the other out there. But there's there's a food tipping point, they also say, whereby once we go beyond it, you can't feed the planet. And I know there are starving people out there as it is. We know we could feed them with the rubbish, with the surplus on one side that were thrown away in binning would have fed the planet a dozen times over, but that's not commercial. That's not going to be profitable. That's Star Trek territory again, whereby we're all one planet, one currency, one language, we are the internet until the planet becomes one world and uh, actually and we find that common enemy perhaps which is back to little old et and his friends we have to have the common enemy in order to all get together whether it be a meteor whether we have to leave the planet or, or whether we have to um you know defend ourselves against something else so he's waving another book there i mean i didn't re i can't read it i've got low resolution on my side but no it, it, I, the, the, 
Gavin, you said to me you hadn't read 1984. You've just given the synopsis. No, you see, I did it by osmosis. <laughs> I did it by osmosis. I didn't have to read 1984. We're living this every day of our lives. That's the strange thing. Everyone has fears, you know, courage, you know, worries, stress. There's no, even people with millions, they're worried about who's going to take their money from them, who's going to break in, if, they're, if, they're, if, they're, if their peers, you know, have good, good thoughts about them. And there's just a different set of measures. Everybody, it's, it's whether you're in your measure and in your silo that you feel uncomfortable because you're measuring into a different one. You don't measure what you have by those above you, you measure by the ones below you or to the side. You don't measure your happiness by their happiness. If you're happy, you're happy. You don't need to worry that you're happy and then you need to make yourself unhappy because you should be wanting more. There are people out there, It's people are different, that's it. It's, you know, we've come to a time in our lives where we, it's not that we want more, it's the more in question is difference and meaning. It's not more money, it's not more food, it's, it's not, it, it's, 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 there's a, a more of something, and it's a more of a bunch of somethings. In my, in my case, and I think in George's case, we want to give more back, but to have it, we have to create it. To be able to afford to do it, we have to, you know, we have to create that value. So we have to charge one to, to, to basically spend it on another. And we're saying spend is not spend, it's invest. And actually a conversation that came from this morning with, this, with the students or the interns was, you know, the only way what we think is going to work for us in the next 20 years is to create value that we invest in others. And what we get left with is, is what we get. And the more value we give, the more we get. The more we get, that's the whole thing. The more you give, the more you get. That's the type of ethos that we, we're now going to try and work in. It's not the more we take, the more we have, the less you actually have, I think. There's takers and givers out there. I think I was more a little bit of a taker in the past. I need to be more of a giver. And and once I let my, my mindset change, I will end up with more. It's not that you're giving it away and end up with nothing. It's your journey to create to give, and then you will have more fulfillment, I think it is. That giving is also quite interesting because what we were able to do this morning with, uh, with, with Scott, Dylan, and Rebecca was we were able to give them time, a little bit of time to talk, and that's something that we're getting the opportunity to do through these shows. We're getting a chance to talk. And I know that quite often it's the discussion that is quite missed in, in education. There seems to be so much we have to do and try and rush all this material in. And, oh, my goodness, we've got no time because our time to teach it is all gone. There's no time to talk. There's no time. Just got to do. Just got to do. Just got to do. And the reason why so many people are having psychological problems is because they're not being given a chance to talk things through. And that's something that I think is quite important. We're, we're, we're enjoying this. It's developing us. It's, it's developing our, our psychology. It's helping us mentally and it's helping us physically as well. Because I think if you, if you think right, the right way, you start to feel the right way and physically you become the right way. And it's, it's important to have those opportunities to talk. And in this time where a lot of people have been going through sort of lock time, they've not been able to get out to the pub, which is what the idea here was. It's two guys down at the pub having a bit of an atter. Then we've got the, the youngsters talking about their, their experiences and what they're going through, and they were getting a chance to talk and get a chance to share their ideas, which is what discussion's all about. Now, it has its time limits. You've got to have a framework to actually work with him. But those are the important things. And I'm doing a course on counselling. And counselling is one of those kind of talking 
jobs where where people just get to talk and other people get to listen and that's where ideas get generated and in that situation it's to enable the person that's being helped to generate their own ideas to how to sort out their problems we're talking all the time about what we're trying to do and the more and more we talk about the objectives that we have with the likes of the film production academy and 52 jokers wild the more those those ideas don't just stay as ideas in their head we manifest them into reality. They become something real. They become something solid. And it's become more solid because we've got now three people helping us for a short period of time. They're not here for, for long. They're here for about 10 weeks. But they are, they are helping make what these ideas are that we have a reality. And, and, and it becomes believable. And it exists because they are contributing to something that they feel worthwhile giving their time to to actually do this in the sense of that they're occupied in in, the, in that framework. So it's real to them. And they'll be able to use it on their CV to say, for this period of time, I worked with this group of people and I helped make things real for them. That's important because quite often the reason why people start to feel in, in, in what was said earlier on, which was that insecurity that sometimes people have, is because they don't believe that what they're doing is real and they're not they're uncertain of whether to take that path because they're scared in case it isn't real and it's just a fantasy and it'll all fall apart nope this isn't a fantasy this is reality we're making something real we're helping other people through our conversations through our talk make sense for them so that they can start to feel less insecure make them feel as though they're on solid ground and feel as though they're contributing to the world in a really good valued way we're actually coming up to the end of this episode. We've been talking about Scott and Rebecca and Dylan, uh, our three new interns for the next 10 weeks. And hopefully sometime over the next 10 weeks, we'll get a chance to introduce them. They'll actually come and join us on the show to talk about their expenses and where they're going. And that'll be the precursor to us getting other people from the film industry to come and talk about themselves, not necessarily about their careers, but about where they are and what motivates them and what makes them tick the TikTok thing inside. So we'll come to it. We'll draw this to an end. We'll thank you for joining us again for this episode, which is usually going out on a Friday. And we look forward to uh, you joining us next Friday. So for the time being, it's bye for me, George. And it's bye from whoever his name, whatever his name is. But last little statement is we're, 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 we love the talking, the talking heads. We're going to be the talking heads soon enough. As we were saying, we're going to be talking off our heads. But we love talking heads. It's no longer a road to nowhere. We don't know how we got here, but we now know where we are and we have a fair idea where we're going and we're looking forward to it. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this video. Please subscribe and click on the bell for notifications.